Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Gaining Health Podcast. It's me, your host, Harley Burridge. And today I am going to discuss an article that I found while I was doing some research lately, and it is on the importance of estradiol for body weight regulation in women. And usually when I find these articles and I report them to you, it's something that has just recently been released. This one was actually released about a year ago in November of 2022. It was published in the Frontiers in Endocrinology, volume 13. And I will put a link to the full article in the show notes. But I came across this article and it just kind of blew me away. And, you know, it's not really surprising that female sex hormones like estradiol affect appetite because I think as a woman and I think everybody is aware of the phenomenon that women's appetites change throughout their menstrual cycle, that women's appetites change during different stages in their life when there's significant hormone changes, such as, you know, during pregnancy, puberty, perimenopause, menopause. And yet, despite this well-known fact that these hormonal changes in women change and it can affect appetite, it's really surprising to me that women's sex hormones are not really discussed very much when we're talking about appetite regulation. And I have been to numerous lectures and I've presented numerous lectures on the pathophysiology of obesity, understanding the, you know, the physiology of appetite control and the pathophysiology in obesity, and yet never has estradiol been mentioned in any of these lectures on physiology and pathophysiology of obesity, or really being a potent modulator of appetite and of metabolism. But it turns out, according to this article, that there's a lot more information here about how estrogen and estradiol affects uh, metabolic health, affects appetite, and affects weight. So I'm going to give you a review of this article, but there's a lot of really great information in this article. So I suggest you kind of take a look at it and read it if you get a chance. Um, but I'm going to try to summarize some of it for you. So. It turns out that estradiol is not only critical for reproductive function, but that they also control food intake and energy expenditure. So we know that food intake changes during the menstrual cycle and during periods of hormonal change. And this change in food intake is largely mediated by estradiol, which acts directly upon the neurons in the hypothalamus that affect appetite. Okay. And uh, again, this is so interesting to me because I really have not heard of any of this in any of the lectures that I've been to on, on appetite regulation. Um, so this review highlights the relationship between these hormones and women's, um, not just their weight and their appetite, but also mental and neurological health. Uh, it explains how a decline or an imbalance in estradiol levels can affect insulin sensitivity in the brain. And this is, of course, in very, is very important because we know that cerebral insulin resistance can contribute to the development of conditions such as Parkinson's disease or Alzheimer's disease. So the authors postulate that the proper use of both estradiol and GLP-1 analogs can help to manage obesity and preserve optimal mental health in women by reducing the mechanisms that trigger some of these neurodegenerative disorders. So as we know, food intake changes throughout the menstrual cycle. 
And it turns out that women significantly reduce their food intake in the periovulatory period. And during this time, this is when estradiol levels are the highest. So uh, in principle, if somebody has an ovulatory dysfunction, um, this can increase their risk of obesity since women with ovulatory dysfunction uh, will be lacking this period of reduced appetite in that periovulatory period um, that they should have. And so this is one of the links between reproductive function and body weight control. And again, it's largely mediated by estradiol. So in general, when we're thinking about estradiol, it regulates um, homeostatic nutrition in women by decreasing food intake. So estradiol reduces food intake, reduces appetite, and it increases energy expenditure. And so in this article, it goes into great detail about how these hormones work. So again, the female reductions in food intake in that periovulatory period are as a consequence of the appetite suppressing effects of estradiol, since estradiol is highest during that time of the menstrual cycle. And the, um, the effects of estradiol can either be direct on the hypothalamus or it can also be indirect because it turns out that estradiol also interacts with a lot of the peripheral hormones uh, that mediate appetite, such as cholecystokinin or CCK, insulin, leptin, and GLP-1. And again, so these are some of the hormones that we hear about a lot when we're talking about uh, appetite regulation. So it turns out that estrogen actually has an indirect effect on these hormones as well. In terms of metabolism, estradiol actually increases thermogenesis and therefore increases metabolism. So estradiol increases energy expenditure by increasing brown adipose tissue thermogenesis. So brown adipose tissue we know uh, is a lot more metabolically active and causes an increase in metabolism, right? And estradiol is also associated with white adipose tissue browning. So when we're talking about browning or beiging of white adipose tissue, it means that it has a lot more mitochondria in that adipose tissue. So we know that the more mitochondria a tissue has, the more metabolically active it is, and that increases energy expenditure, right? So having more brown adipose tissue or more brown uh, browning of white adipose tissue increases metabolism. So it's this increase in metabolism in combination with estradiol's effects on decreased food intake or increased satiety that can result either in weight loss or at the very least, I think we're talking more here about prevention of weight gain, right? So when we lose the effects of estradiol, such as in menopause, this can trigger weight gain. And so I think this is so important when we're talking to our women who are in that perimenopausal or menopausal stage of their life, and they're coming into us complaining of weight gain, uh, again, we need to look beyond some of those other factors that are usually talked about. So a lot of times when we hear about, you know, menopausal weight gain, we hear about a loss in muscle mass uh, during that stage in life. And that is true, right? A loss in muscle mass does happen, can happen unless people are, are actively engaging in resistance training. And a loss of muscle mass is going to affect metabolism and slow metabolism. 
So certainly that's going to contribute to weight gain, but this drop in estrogen has a real effect as well. Uh, so I think these are important things to discuss. You know, oftentimes we hear about other things such as sleep. We know the re reduction in sleep due to hot flashes and things like that uh, can trigger weight gain as well. But I think we can't overlook the role of estradiol here and the effect that that can have on appetite and metabolism, right? Um, and so estradiol and GLP-1 have been proposed as some new novel therapeutics to restore not only body weight in women, but also to prevent the neurodegenerative disorders that we discussed, the cerebral insulin resistance, um, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, and things like that. Um, because the loss of the estradiol post-menopause can contribute to the development of obesity, and then also that can further uh, affect systemic cerebral insulin resistance. And we know that insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes, both of which are associated with obesity and ovulatory dysfunction, like PCOS, right, can cause abnormalities in the proper functioning of the central nervous system, and again, is linked to those neurodegenerative disorders. So they go on in this article to talk about the evidence that there is between the link of menstrual cycle and appetite. So some of the examples that they use, for instance, in laboratory studies, um, they looked at female rats whose ovaries had been removed. And what happened is they increased their food intake when their ovaries were removed. And that increase of food intake could be normalized if estradiol was administered, but not if progesterone was administered. Because again, we're always talking about a combination of hormones here. So it seems to be really the estradiol that's having the impact on food intake. And some of the other behavioral studies in rats also demonstrated that estradiol controls meal size. So what they showed in some of these clinical studies is that again, food intake is lower in the periovulatory phase when estradiol is the highest and greater in the early follicular and luteal phases when estradiol is lowest. And it was interesting, it actually affected meal size and not meal frequency. So we don't see an increase in eating frequency, but it's actually the portion sizes that become larger during these phases when estrogen levels are low. The types of foods that are eaten also change with the menstrual cycle. And, you know, we're all familiar with this. So food cravings and binge eating uh, of specific food items are reported more frequently by women in the luteal phase when estradiol levels are low. And it's also interesting that the specific macronutrient composition of the increased calories that are consumed varies during this luteal phase. But it's usually either from increased fat or increased carbohydrate intake. And um, intake of sweet foods is also decreased during that periovulatory period when estrogen levels are high. So again, in that premenstrual phase, when a lot of women struggle with sugar cravings and things like that, that's when estrogen levels are low. Estradiol also affects how women psychologically perceive food. So across the menstrual cycle, uh, when they've shown uh, different images of foods, the neural, the neuronal responses to these images actually change throughout the menstrual cycle. And it also turns out that odor detection also varies throughout the menstrual cycle. 
Uh, and interestingly, it seems that the usual cyclical change of food in intake is absent, does not exist in women who have anovulatory cycles. Because again, this can be explained by the absence of estradiol's rise and fall that affect both appetite and ovulation that are not happening in women who have these anovulatory cycles. So if somebody has anovulatory cycles, that can be associated either with low um, estradiol levels or constantly elevated estradiol levels. And both states can actually be linked to an increase in appetite because a low estradiol level uh, is going to have you know, low estrogen levels. So that's going to be insufficient to trigger the usual appetite suppressing effects of estrogen. However, it may be that the constant high levels of estradiol, uh, which can be seen in these anovulatory cycles sometimes, or if somebody's receiving hormonal preparations, in those cases, it's possible that the appetite suppressing effect of estradiol is blunted because of chronically elevated estradiol levels. And it's also interesting that binge eating and emotional eating, these are found to be significantly higher during the mid-luteal and premenstrual phases of women's menstrual cycles when estradiol levels tend to be the lowest. And progesterone levels are also positively associated with increased binge, increased binge eating across the menstrual cycle. Um, and while they find that physiological levels of estradiol are inversely associated with binge eating, it appears that abnormally high levels of estradiol are actually positively associated with binge eating and emotional eating. So again, so interesting that some of these eating disorders and emotional eating and all of that, that these are really tied to female hormone levels. And this is not something that we're typically assessing or thinking about when we're thinking about binge eating or emotional eating. And studies also suggest that estradiol may act on serotonergic neurons to inhibit binge eating. And this effect is actually partially mediated by insulin. So increased insulin resistance may actually decrease the serotonergic uh, neurons responsiveness to estradiol. So that in turn can increase the risk of binge eating. So it's so interesting how all of these hormones uh, work together uh, and can affect somebody's risk of binge eating. And even in healthy women, Increased insulin resistance has been reported during the luteal phase of the menstrual cycle in, in healthy women. And so this can partially also explain the differences in eating behavior observed across the menstrual cycle just because of changes in insulin sensitivity. And, and I really see this in patients who struggle with insulin resistance. It just really seems to trigger hunger for patients. So again, it might be this interaction of insulin and, and estradiol and some of these female hormones as well. So when we're talking about postmenopausal women, so in addition to having low estradiol, postmenopausal women also have an elevated FSH. So the rise of FSH during menopause in response to ovarian failure has also been associated with menopausal adiposity and also fatty liver or hepatic steatosis in women. And using mouse models, they found that high circulating FSH has also been confirmed as a major contributor to obesity. 
So these findings suggest that FSH, as well as low estradiol, uh, could be potential targets for controlling uh, fat accumulation and adiposity and treating obesity in women. So there's a lot of interactions between estrogens and these peripheral feedback signals that control appetite as well. So, so far, we've primarily considered estradiol's direct effect uh, on the control of appetite, but estradiol's effect on appetite is also modulated by uh, estradiol uh, working together with a lot of the peripheral signals uh, that uh, affect appetite, including uh, you know, a lot of these hormones secreted in the digestive tract, such as CCK and GLP-1, and hormones produced by the pancreas, such as glucagon and insulin, and hormones coming from adipose tissue, such as leptin. So I'll let you read a little bit more uh, about that in the paper, but estrogen also affects all of these different appetite-regulating hormones. So then this article goes on to talk a little bit about estrogens for weight control. So they talk a little bit about the mechanism of action here, and they report that estradiol receptors are actually located both in the inner and outer mitochondrial membranes, as well as in the cell plasma membrane, the cell cytoplasm, and the nucleus. So all of these parts of the cell have estradiol receptors. And so the menopausal drop in estradiol will thus affect the process of ATP synthesis and therefore can alter cellular metabolic pathways. And we all know, you know, mitochondrial dysfunction is at the root of a lot of these conditions and can affect the brain, adipose tissues and muscle tissues, uh, cellular metabolic control, and therefore affect fat distribution and weight gain. And in premenopausal women, there's significant interest in whether some of these super physiological concentrations of estradiol, such as can be found in the combined hormonal contraceptives, impact women's weight. And, you know, this is, is, becomes a little bit more complicated by the fact that these combined contraceptives contain not only estrogens, but also progestins. And so in 2014, a Cochrane review found that there was insufficient evidence to determine the effect of these combined hormonal contraceptives on weight. But I will say, and they mentioned this in the article, that some of these reviews may be somewhat limited uh, by not just the number of women studied, but also ju the duration of the clinical trials, which oftentimes were a year or less and may just not have been long enough to really assess the impact of weight. Also, in the postmenopausal population, there was a 2005 uh, Cochrane review that found no effect of estradiol, whether it was opposed or unopposed, on women's weight. However, since then, there was a subsequent study called the KEEPS study that found that BMI increased significantly less in women on hormone replacement therapy rather than on placebo. And these uh, findings are in line with a 2009 hormone replacement study, uh, which found that women who were randomized to hormone, uh, hormone replacement therapy gained less weight than those on placebo. And I think this makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, this really indicates that these hormones are not necessarily to be used for weight loss, but more for the prevention of weight gain. Uh, in women who are uh, perimenopausal or menopausal. 
So the evidence just reinforces the fact that estradiol is a main regulator of mitochondrial function and should be an essential factor for healthy weight maintenance and healthy metabolism in women. Also, there's some studies that found that there are differences in the way that GLP-1 affects men versus women. And some of the studies, some of the differences that they found was that there's increased weight loss caused by GLP-1, the GLP-1 agonist liraglutide in women compared to men. And also they saw that there was a more immediate increase in GLP-1 levels immediately post-exercise in women during the follicular phase than in men. And also there, there were some differences in the reward circuit activation following GLP-1 administration in female rats compared to male rats. So we need more work to investigate how it is that estradiol, you know, mediates some of these sex differences uh, with GLP-1 activity. But it's been shown that endogenous, so self-produced GLP-1 levels are shown to be lower in the follicular phase in women compared to the luteal phase. Uh, and this is thought to be due to the slower gastric emptying during the follicular phase. Um, so it's just interesting to observe whether exogenous GLP-1 is more effective in women when administered during certain hormonal phases compared to other hormonal phases. And if this is found, then it's possible that you know GLP-1 therapeutics could be given perhaps more infrequently but more synchronized to women's hormonal cycles. So I think this idea of synchronizing medication with women's hormonal cycles is just really, really fascinating and an area that I would love to see a lot more research on. So to wrap it up, you know, uh, what this paper really shows us is that estradiol is crucial not only in reproductive function, but also for the regulation of body weight. And that, you know, estradiol has an appetite suppressing effect and that it also affects metabolism and energy expenditure. And that during certain stages of a woman's life, uh, when we have reduced estradiol, a lot of those times that is also associated with weight gain. And then also, you know, when we're looking at ovulatory dysfunctions such as PCOS, this is also associated with weight gain and insulin resistance. Um, so I just think this is really important to recognize also that estradiol interacts with peripheral hormones such as CCK, leptin, insulin, and GLP-1, and that GLP-1 seems to act, you know, potentially synergistically with estradiol. Um, so potentially, you know, we could be looking at combined effects of GLP-1s and, and estradiol conjugates. So this is very interesting when we're looking at the treatment of women with obesity um, and insulin resistance and looking at the prevention of some of these neurodegenerative conditions that are associated with insulin resistance of the brain and obesity. So I think, you know, more research to be done, but it's certainly very exciting. And I thought this was a really great article that really summed all of this up uh, very nicely. So, okay. 
So to wrap it up, uh, kind of on a personal note, I would like to say thank you to POCN and my PA colleagues for the distinguished honor of being named America's Top PA 2023. Uh, This recently came out uh, during PA Week. So I'm very, very honored to receive this award. And I know that there are so many PAs out there who are doing incredible things for their patients and for their communities. So To receive this award was just really so humbling. And I just want to thank so many people who have helped me, you know, along my journey. And that includes all of you in the gaining health community and all of you who are listening to the podcast and who have shared it with your friends and colleagues. So thank you all so, so much. And I really do feel blessed to get to do what I do every day, which is basically to spread the word about you know, compassionate, evidence-based obesity care. And I truly, really do hope that we can revolutionize healthcare with obesity medicine. And, and I'm honored to be playing even just a small part in that. So I hope to see you all at the Obesity Medicine Association Conference coming up October 26th through the 29th in San Antonio. Uh, So again, I'll be speaking on starting an obesity medicine practice on Thursday, the 26th. And I will also have a gaining health booth in the exhibit hall at booth 414. So if you can come and find me there and I'll be hosting a table on Saturday morning with breakfast with the experts. And uh, I'll also be having some special OMA discounts for our brand new membership that we will reveal at the OMA conference. So if you're going to attend the conference, be sure to come by and see me at booth 414. All right, everybody, take care. And I'll see you next week on the Gaining Health Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Gaining Health Podcast and for your commitment to learning more about how we can care for people with obesity in a compassionate and evidence-based way. If you'd like to learn more about gaining health and how we support clinicians who want to start or optimize an obesity management program, please check us out online at gaininghealth.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with a friend or colleague and leave us a review. And lastly, if you'd like to support the podcast financially, even if it's just $5 a month, we would really appreciate it. And you can do so by clicking on our Patreon link in the show notes. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time on the Gaining Health Podcast.